What we do here is go back, 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 back. Prepare yourself for the clash of punk rock, politics, and your uncensored, unafraid host, Remso W. Martinez. You are about to experience the Remso Republic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Remso Republic. I'm your host, Remso Martinez, and this week I've got one of my oldest friends in the realm of politics I could possibly bring on the show. I'm so thankful he was able to come on to do this. He's Logan Albright. He's the current director of research at Free the People, an organization devoted to permanently shifting power away from political insiders and back to local communities and free people. Logan, thank you so much for coming and welcome to the show. It's my pleasure. Thank you. It's not a problem at all. So um, we were actually talking about this online the other day. You wrote an article over at Conservative Review about taking a radical approach to education. And it's what you and I were talking about when I was interning at Freedom Works and you were the director of research there. It's this idea that government tries to create a one-size-fits-all type of criteria for how to teach students. But since they can't necessarily do it with the Department of Education, they do it with these backdoor methods that we see of Common Core and other types of strategies. So what you were trying to push in that article, well, you know what? I'm just going to let you explain it if you want to go ahead. Sure. Well, I spent probably the last three to four years of my life working on uh, the Common Core issue and the education issue, uh, trying to push back against the federal control. And after all that work, what I kind of realized is I think that we've made a mistake in focusing the conversation so heavily on Common Core itself. Uh, Common Core is a terrible thing, and I have nothing good to say about it, but I think we've given people the impression that if we get rid of Common Core, suddenly the education system will be fixed, everything will be fine, and we'll be in good shape. And that's just not the case. I, I think there are much deeper, more fundamental problems with the education system in America that we need to address. And I think the major one of them that no one talks about is the fact that education is compulsory in this country. Uh, one of the assumptions that underlies so much of public life, government, politics, everything, is that people have to be forced to do things. You, you can't rely on people to do things on their own. You can't rely on voluntary relationships. You have to use compulsion and force to get what you want. And the very idea that the only way you can get an educated population is by forcing children to attend school for, you know, 12 years of their lives at least, if you're not counting higher education. Uh, and these are, you know, government schools for the most part, or at least schools that are bound by government mandates on what they have to teach. That's, that assumption is wrong. And that assumption is, I think, wholly damaging to our society. But Logan, if you don't force kids to go to school, they'll end up working in sweatshops or they'll go do drugs and join gangs. They'll, they won't be productive citizens. That's the type of argument you hear from a lot of people. Yeah, but anyone who spent time around children knows that that's not true. And I'll use myself as an example because I never went to public or private or religious school. I was uh, homeschooled in a variety of homeschooling called unschooling, which I think is the most libertarian form of schooling out there. And basically it just it assumes that you don't need to coerce children to learn. Children are natural learners. They're going to learn on their own. They're going to pursue their interests. And that's what me and my sister did from you know birth to age 18 when we went to college. 
and we are working in hot private professional jobs. We both have master's degrees. We're both very well educated because we weren't forced to learn things we didn't care about. We were allowed to learn things that we were interested in. And I think that if you spend time with like young children, two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, they're just – they have an appetite that can't be quenched for learning. That's all that they want to do is figure out how the world works around them. And it's when you put them into these institutional settings where they have to be indoors eight hours a day and they have to be concentrating on things that they don't care about and they're not interested in and they're not ready to learn, that starts to kill some of that desire to pursue knowledge. And they start to perceive learning as a chore rather than as something to be enjoyed. No, you're absolutely right. Now, you know, from my end, growing up a military brat, I was homeschooled, I was private schooled, I was public schooled. And, you know, I was able to get a bit of that flavor growing up as a kid and a teenager. And what I saw was, even though I was not the world's best homeschooler, I tended to do more scholastically than I did when I was in public school or even private school. It's because, you know, I did the work that I had to do according to the curriculum that my mom was teaching my brother and I. But when it came to things such as science, technology, you know, mainly history and other things, I took a lot more of an interest in it because it was my passion. Because of that, I was able to go on you know, field trips with my family. I was able to delve into things and learn more. I actually made myself take free online classes so I could learn more about things. It's this idea that when we're driven by our passions, we benefit more. We put out more into the world and what we're doing than what we're taking in. And you don't see that quite often in public school. If anything, it's like what you said. We're going to stick these kids in a jail cell-like classroom for 8 to 10 hours. We're going to make them force – I'm sorry. We're going to force them to learn things that they're not interested. And then we wonder why kids aren't doing as well academically. Yeah, I just you know I just got the um, the new edition of David Friedman's book, uh, The Machinery of Freedom. He's you know Milton Friedman's son. He's a, an anarchist, and he has a chapter on unschooling in there. And he makes the point that the assumption behind public schooling or any kind of formal schooling really is that there's one set of knowledge. You know, there's a lot of knowledge out in the world, but they're assuming that there's one subset of that knowledge that everybody needs to learn and it needs to be identical across everyone. And I just think that's an indefensible assumption to make. There's so much you can learn out there. And like, when is the last time you had to divide a fraction by another fraction? When is the last time you had to learn what you learned by dissecting a frog in school? When was the last time I had to recite pi to 20 million different places? Exactly. Like this, this stuff is maybe interesting and you may want to pursue it on your own. But there's no reason to assume that every child in America has to learn this stuff. If they don't care about it, then they're not into it. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Just just looking back at, you know, the founding of our country, I was I was reading um, Alexander Hamilton's biography. Scholarship to King's College. I probably shouldn't brag, but yeah, I got amazed and astonished. The problem is I got a lot of brains, but no polish. I got a homages to be heard with every word. I drop knowledge. I'm a diamond in the rough. A shiny piece of coal trying to reach my goal. My power of speech unimpeachable. Only 19, but my mind is older. These New York City streets get cold. I shoulder every burden, every disadvantage. I've learned to manage. I don't have a gun to brandish. I walk these streets famished. The plan is to fan this spark into a flame. But damn, it's getting dark, so let me spell out the name. I am the at one point i mean the guy his father left him when he was born his mother died when he was barely a teenager he went to go live with his cousin who shot himself and because he had to struggle to live 
you know, he ends up learning a trade. He ends up becoming, um, I think it was a, a ship captain when he was 14. He was right. He was drawing maps when he was 17. And by the time he was 2021, he was founding a new nation. It's this idea that, you know, we've got to let people be free to go out and do things. And sometimes, and I think a lot of adults with you know, young kids are terrified when they hear this, but I think the best education you can get sometimes is from actual work. It's from learning a trade. It's from going out and learning how to be a productive citizen. And as you get older, you go ahead and maybe you can dive into a certain topic or you can go get a liberal arts degree or whatever. That's a great point, I think, because uh, learning a trade or something is learning by doing. You're learning the applied skill before you learn the abstract concepts behind it, which is the way you learn things in real life. You learn you know, how to build a chair before you learn the, the basic principles of carpentry or whatever, whereas the way they do it in school is they try to teach you the basics first. They try to teach you all the – like, uh, we'll teach you how, all the, what all the letters sound like. We'll teach you phonics, and then you'll learn how to read. But the way children learn how to read if they teach themselves is they start by reading books and then they figure out the phonics later on. I learned this myself when I started studying foreign language. I always was a what they call a bottom-up learner. I always liked to, to understand all the pieces, all the mechanics of how a language worked and then put them together into different pieces. And I was always kind of progressed slowly doing that, but I liked it. Uh, and then later on I learned that that's a really inefficient way to learn a language and that if you're – the way you learn your first language, the way you naturally learn is if you're immersed in a language – you start to pick up snatches of it. You learn words and phrases here and there, and then only later you imitate those, and only later do you start piecing them together and figuring out the grammar of the language and figuring out why uh, certain words mean certain things and what the phonics are. You learn from the top down. That's the way people naturally learn. But the way they try to force you to learn in school is from the bottom up. Yeah, so, Logan, you're the one that taught me a majority of what I know about education reform. So for our listeners out there who are kind of on the same page as us, they agree with what we think education and the way it's done in the country should be done, what are some of the arguments you hear against these types of proposals, this decentralization of education? Well, people always argue that uh, children are going to be stupid, they're not going to learn how to read, they're not going to know the, the be informed and I always hear, uh, without an informed population, you can't have a functioning democracy. I think it's crazy. If you look at history before we instituted compulsory schooling in the country, literacy rates were higher than after we implemented it. It is house I start to wreck. Got no reason. What the heck? Kill my landlord. Kill my Um, I just don't think it's true. And from my own experience and from looking around, the other thing you hear a lot is that, well, if children are educated at home, they're not going to be socialized. They're not going to learn how to function around other people in the real world, which I think is also crazy because what is a better model of the real world? Is it the kind of people you experience when you're out in the world uh, as a a homeschooled or an unschooled student dealing with other adults, dealing with teachers, dealing with, um, you know, your peers, dealing with older children, uh, the families in your neighborhood, or is it being crammed in a classroom with people who are exactly your own age and one adult, the teacher, and not allowed to talk all day long. If you're not allowed to talk, how are you going to get socialized? You know, you're not allowed to talk during lunch. They're doing away with recess now. How is that supposed to socialize anybody? Whereas if you're at home or if you're you know, out in the world learning real skills by doing things, by working, by uh, volunteering, by doing whatever, you know, you're around real people that you're going to encounter in the world. I think that's a much better conditioning exercise. Oh my gosh, she just reminded me. I think it was my sophomore, maybe junior year of high school. Um, what 
my teachers were instructed to do was if we were on the side of the building where our classroom had a window, they were told to cover the windows of posters or something like that because, you know, the outdoors was too distracting for students. Yeah, God forbid anybody look outdoors and see the sun, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, you can't stop kids from looking at their phones in class, but you're going to take away windows and everything else. It's this method. I mean, the, the closest thing it can remind me of is um, I, I lived in Australia as a kid, and we visited Port, Port Arthur. It was a penal colony. And what they did for the criminally insane convicts there was they made them put on these leather masks with you know holes holes for the eyes and they um, had kind of like horse blinders or something to cover their ears so you had to get right in front of them and yell at them in order for them to hear you and it's like we're adopting some of the same models for public education especially as you know we're, we're medicating kids because everyone has some type of you know ADHD everyone just has some type of attention issue we're, we're trying to silence them. We're trying to stop them from dreaming. We're trying to get them to calm down. And the ultimate goal, at least the way I see it, is to make them submit. It's not about education anymore. It's about making submissive citizens. I think that's right. I mean, people talk about indoctrination and they point to you know biased history textbooks and things like that. I think it goes deeper than that. The indoctrination of the school system is not about biased history textbooks. It's about what do you? What are the lessons you learn? You learn. You do what you're told. You submit to authority. Uh, these people are your superiors, and they have the right to judge you and grade you and assign you a number. Uh, and if you disobey or try to do any independent thinking, you're going to be punished. And they condition you that way for 12 years. And of course, you know you you're going to turn out a bunch of submissive uh, uh, worshippers of authority. You know, it's perfect you bring that up because that's going to be the next topic for the upcoming segment right after this commercial break. Hang on tight. You're listening to the Remser Republic. We'll be back in a minute. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Remser Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. For years, the Republican and Democrat parties have used social issues and crises to keep us at odds with one another. They've divided us into groups and pit each group against the other, while those in government have together collaborated to strip us of our liberty little by little. In 2009, I decided to do something about it, and the Rupert for Senate campaign was born. Government of, by, and for the people requires our participation, not as voters, but as leaders and decision makers. But the parties have made it all but impossible for real, ordinary Americans to do so. So this average American has, since 2009, worked to give the voters, at least of Ohio, a choice outside the parties. The message is simple. The Constitution protects every American equally, but it's powerless to protect itself. That's our job, and it's time we take it seriously. You can learn more about my campaign at scottrupert.com. I'm Scott Rupert, independent candidate for Ohio's U.S. Senate, and I approve of this message. Welcome back. I'm Remso W. Martinez with our special guest from Free the People, Logan Albright. Logan, in our previous segment, we finished off with this idea of revisionist textbooks, whether it's history, whether it's global warming and science. Is that a product of something that the government is pushing or corporations pushing it? Where where is the revision coming from? I think that bias is inevitable 
And so what you want is maximum choice and maximum uh, diversity of opinion. So anytime anyone writes a history textbook, they're going to have a point of view. They're going to have a certain way in which they perceive things because history is not really about facts. It's about interpretation of facts, right? So in school, you're given one history textbook. You're told this is the way it is, and you're expected to accept that and regurgitate it on a test. I think a much better solution is to give people many history textbooks, give them many different perspectives on history, give them historical fiction, give them uh, period documents from the time, let them read everything, let them see everything, let them decide for themselves what they agree with, what they think is right, what they think is the true reflection or the true interpretation of what actually happened. If you give just one point of view and tell people that's the way it is, it's a very narrow way of looking at the world. You're, you're absolutely right about that. And- Something that's always bothered me was that apart from just government having a monopoly on education where you're only going to get one track agenda, I I forgot who coined this term, but it's the educational industrial complex. We've got the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation jumping in. We have Pearson jumping in. Is it, you know, is it more corporation? Is it more government? Is it a collusion? I don't want to sound like I'm bringing up a conspiracy, but... Because, I mean, that everyone will go with, oh, there's this grand master globalist plan to indoctrinate our kids. Where, where is it really coming from? Where is the bias coming from? Because you, you said that there's, there's a bias being injected into our material. It's going to happen one way or another. But where is the immediate bias coming from? Here's the thing about conspiracy theories is that usually most of the time it's not a conspiracy because people aren't smart enough to make conspiracies. Most of the time it's – a bunch of people with a wrong idea and they're all it's groupthink they're all pursuing the same wrong idea and in this case we're all pursuing the wrong idea that we need to measure our kids and test our kids and make sure they're performing better than the kids in other countries and if they're not by god we got to test them harder and keep them in school longer and keep pressing them harder and, and make them better than the kids in other countries which i think is a baffling idea in the first place because we don't do that with other professions. Like you don't, there's no standardized test for musicians to see, make sure our violinists are better than the China's violinists. You know, there's competitions you can voluntarily engage in, but there's no standard test for artists or authors or in any other profession you can think of, so that we know how good our our professions are compared to those of other countries. And yet we have this compulsive need to test and test and test and test our children, and you know, compare them with those of other countries and say, are we falling behind? Are we going ahead? I mean, what would really happen to society if we stopped doing that? Would anything change? Would anything be worse? I don't think so. I think it'd be fine. And you asked about bias, where it's coming from. Well, it's coming from everybody. Everybody's got bias. Everybody's got their own opinions. Everybody's got their own way of viewing the world, which is what bias is. It's just your interpretation of the world. And so you can't eliminate bias, but all you can do is try to balance it out by exposing people to as many different viewpoints as possible. Okay, I, I like your answer for that because I was afraid for my end that I was going to start coming off, you know, Jesse Ventura, Alex Jonesy. You know what it's like to go to sleep every night knowing you work for a bunch of psychotic killers and you bastards are probably going to end up killing me one day? You know what it's like knowing you've ruined my life? You know what it's like, you sons of bitches? I'm tired of your crap! You commit evil, you're part of an evil system, and we're standing up against you. And the Republic is going to defeat you in the end. Some of us won't make it personally through this, but a lot of us are. And in the end, you are going to be brought to justice for all the kids you kidnapped for CPS, all you CPS workers, all you corrupt bureaucrats, all of you that have had your way with innocent children over and over again and who think your evil's invincible. You're not invincible, and God is going to deal with you. But it's like what you said. 
we all kind of can tell that this is happening. I remember a few years back, um, Tea Party activist Becky Gerritsen went before um, a school board meeting and read from one of the new Common Core textbooks. And the stuff that our kids were being taught was um, the Founding Fathers are racist, the dropping of the atom bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki was just the worst thing that could happen, even though by dropping it that early, we saved millions of lives, both Japanese and American. Um, we're taught that America is inherently racist. And then for the supplemental reading material, the short stories they were given had to deal with pedophilia and other disgusting things that parents weren't taught about. So it seems that there is a bias that's been put in, like you said, but it's incredibly anti-American. Uh, what's what's the worst case of revisionism you've you've seen the past couple of years? Well, I've never set foot inside of a public school, so I may have a You're hard so time freaking lucky coming up with uh, specific examples. But I think the examples you gave. There are actually legitimate debates to be had there. We could talk about the relation of, of race to the founding fathers. We could talk about whether or not dropping the atom bomb on Hiroshima is a good idea or not. But the problem is when you're presented with only one viewpoint and that's taken as authoritative and you have to believe it because your teacher says so. And if you don't agree with them, you're going to get an F on the test. I mean, we need to have all these viewpoints exposed. And I think the problem is a lack of choice. The problem is always in all of these authoritarian things, a lack of choice. And I would just say, you know, you don't have to do it. Parents and children out there who don't like this, who don't like where the school is taking them, just say no. Just don't do it. Just refuse the test. Take your children out of school. You know, there's lots of other options. There's lots of other things you can do. Um, I think civil disobedience, particularly in the realm of education, is, is one of the most important things we can do. Uh, when I was first started to be unschooled, almost nobody did it. It was very, very unusual. Um, it was borderline illegal. And people did it anyway. And the government was put in the awkward position of either having to say, okay, well, we're going to allow this or throwing mothers in prison for wanting to teach their own children. And obviously that was a PR nightmare, so they couldn't do that. So they had to legalize it. And I think, you know, we have to just seize back choice from our government and not just wait for people, wait for the politicians to do the right thing because they're not going to do the right thing unless they have a good reason. And a good reason if people are, if the law becomes unenforceable, then that's a good reason to change it. You're absolutely right. And, you know, the, the buzzword that you keep throwing out there is choice. As libertarians, the biggest thing that we push for are free markets. And we seem to have that, even though I'm not saying we live in a truly free market in the United States, we still have a large abundance of choice, whether it's, you know, what food we have, whether I want to take a taxi or whether I want to take an Uber. And I don't think conservatives push this enough. It's this concept that if free markets and competition make things better, why don't we bring more of that to education? Because the state has a complete monopoly on education. Well, actually, let me take that back. It's not complete. For example, you know, like you said, we have homeschooling. You can go to private school, charter school. So we have small degrees of it, but you still can't necessarily do it. There are some states where they push as many regulations on homeschoolers as they can. But it's like what you said in terms of what you're trying to learn. I remember growing up when I was homeschooled, um, for fourth grade, my mom used a Becca. She wanted to try something else for me when I ended up being homeschooled again for seventh grade, and we tried Calvert. But we didn't really like Calvert because I was having problems with the math. So I took some from a Becca. I took some from Calvert. And years later, I'm still keeping track of all these new budding homeschooling curriculums. Um, I'm, I'm at Liberty University right now. Liberty University offers a homeschool curriculum for K-12 through education. Heck, there's even the Ron Paul homeschool program. 
that Tom Woods from the from the Mises Institute is always pushing. So we're seeing this on the rise. Do you think that we're going to see more people opt out of public education or if it's going to slowly start creeping back more? Well, I'm an optimist, and I do think that people are getting – as public education gets worse, more people are going to opt out of it. I think it's North Carolina where there are now more homeschoolers than there are private school students. Uh, it's pretty amazing, and I, I hope that trend continues. Uh, people talk a lot about school choice, and it's usually in the context of which school you can go to, which curriculum you can use. I think we need to start talking about school choice in the context of maybe not going to school at all or maybe uh, choosing no curriculum over a specific curriculum, the choice whether or not to attend public schooling, because there's a difference between schooling and education. Uh, and no one talks about that. I think that's something we need to start bringing into the conversation. You're, you're exactly right. I agree with you on that. Uh, real fast, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll finish off with the lightning round during the last couple minutes of the show. You're listening to the Remster Republic. I'll be right back soon. Hang on. You're listening to the Remzo Republic. What's our problem with messaging the ideas of liberty? Is it the ideas? Is it the people? Maybe it's both. Maybe it's the fact that we're just not doing it in a smart type of way. This is where the Libertarian Youth Caucus comes in. The Libertarian Youth Caucus represents the millennial wing of the Libertarian Party. They're trying to expand the party base while finding new ways to communicate simple, timeless principles such as open minds and free markets. What we need to know is how to find the next generation of voters and make them vote for liberty. We can have a smaller government and a freer economy in our lifetime. And I believe that if we want to help invest in the Libertarian Party, the best way to do so is with the Libertarian Youth Caucus. Learn more about them today at lyc.silkstart.com. That's lyc.silkstart.com. This message is approved by the Libertarian Youth Caucus. Welcome back to the show. Here's everyone's favorite segment, Lightning Round, where Logan will have one minute to answer one question. He's going to be given five random questions, some about what we discussed on the show, others possibly coming out of left field. If he loses, he loses. But if he wins, he gets ultimate bragging rights. And sometimes all we need in life are bragging rights. So, Logan, are you ready? I guess so. Let's do it. Why is school choice not pushed more by Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump doesn't believe in freedom. Donald Trump's not a freedom-loving guy. Donald Trump is an authoritarian who wants to control everything. Next question. Today, I'm very proud of myself. Question number two. Should businesses require a high school diploma or a GED before hiring? Businesses should require whatever businesses think they need to hire qualified employees. It's nobody's business other than the owner to decide what they should require. There's no reason to have government involved at all. Question number three. Department of Education. Abolish, reform, or keep? Abolish. You, you've got about 55 seconds. You want to explain that one a little bit more? You done messed up, A.A. Ron! 
I think there's no role there's no role for government in education at all, but there's certainly no role for the federal government in education. I don't I can't think of a single thing that the Department of Education has done that has yielded a measurable result that has been positive. It sucks away tons of money, it grows bigger every year. There's no reason to keep it. Question number four teachers unions. Good for students, good for teachers, or bad for students, bad for teachers? I can't think of any labor unions that have been good for anybody except for the union bosses personally. Um, teachers unions are no exception. Uh, I think, you know, vol- people, if people want to voluntarily organize to push back against what they perceive as unfair hiring practices, that's one thing. But teachers unions are confronting the, the federal government, which, you know, is, has a monopoly on, on the good they're trying to sell. So I don't think that is helping anybody really. And the final question, standardized testing, such as the SAT, ACT, is it something we place too much of an emphasis on or not? Explain. I don't think we need it. I don't see what good it's really doing. People are saying we need it to, uh, to sort out you know, who gets into college and who doesn't. I'd like to see college admissions become more like a job application, you know, where you, you talk to the person, you decide if they'd be appropriate. And right now we want everybody to go to college. There's certainly no reason for everybody to go to college. We have too many people in there as it is. There's lots of other paths you can take to have a successful life. So if we pared down the number of people going to college, we could have a more uh, intimate sort of hiring application and not need to rely on these arbitrary numbers. And that is Lightning Round. Logan, you have won today's episode of Lightning Round. In fact, you got through this so fast, I think the game is murdered and we're going to have to find something else for all our future guests. If people want to keep up with you and everything you do at Free the People, well, how can they follow you? I recommend going to freethepeople.org. That's where most of our stuff goes up. I also write regularly for conservativereview.com. If you'd like to go there, you can find my stuff there as well. Perfect. Thank you, Logan, for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Stay connected to Liberty's Rabble Rouser on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest episodes, blogs, and other available content. What are you waiting for? Get on the boat,